You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Federal Premium Ammunition. Now, it's turkey season all over the country right now, and if you're looking for a turkey shot that is just going to slam turkeys dead, you need to check out the Heavyweight TTS. Now, it comes in a variety of gauges, whether you shoot a 410, a 12 gauge, or a 20 gauge, this is the turkey shot for you. A lot of cool things going on with this. It has 22% denser material than a standard tungsten, uh, 56% denser than lead. So what this means is that at longer distances, you're getting higher velocities and a more consistent patterning. It has a full length wad that prevents direct contact off of the extra hard pellets and the bore. And long story short, that protects the barrel If you want to find out more information about Federal Premium Ammunition, visit federalpremium.com. Welcome back to the Hunting Gear Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Johnson, and on this episode, me and my buddy Bob Palanik, a.k.a. the co-host, we're talking about camera equipment right there's a lot of you out there who like to self-film your hunts and that's what today's episode is all about really short intro really awesome episode uh it's more along the lines of a bs session about camera gear camera arms uh the kind of equipment that you would want if you're self-filming the kind of equipment that you would want if you are um Maybe have a cameraman behind you in the tree stand. A whole bunch of other things that kind of wrap into the art of self-filming your hunts. But uh, it's more along the lines of a BS session than it is some really detailed how-to, what equipment type of podcast. So hopefully you guys enjoy. Let's get into the episode right now. Three, two, one. All right, on the phone with me today, Mr. Bob Polanik. What's up, dude? Not too much, man. I'm uh, I'm coming to you from my home for the first time. Normally, I record this at uh, while I'm at work, but with everything going on, I'm sitting at home looking at a um, fresh dusting of snow from last night. Jeez, man. I'm re- <laughs> well. I tell you what, it's not like you can really go and do anything. I mean, right, <laughs> right. I, it's not a big deal. I mean, every once in a while, we get hit with one of these. April snowstorms here in Iowa. I mean, yesterday it snowed here as well and even got some hail in certain places. And uh, it's not like it's going to ruin any trip or outdoor activity that I had planned. Right. So, right, right, right. So how you holding up? Oh, you know, I got three kids stacked on top of each other who uh, two of them fight like cats and dogs the entire day. The other one does not stop getting into stuff. So he's in that stage now where he he will push a chair up to the counter and crawl on the counter and then step on the microwave to get to the top of the refrigerator where we keep all the snacks. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. So he's pretty uh he's he's got the uh the the mental capability to uh problem solve, 
<laughs> the other day he ate the top off of five cinnamon rolls. At a boy. That's oh my god. At a boy. Yeah, he is a monster of sorts. He's he's really you yell at him for you know for getting in trouble and he'll just kind of give you bat the eyes you know and he'll smile and be like <laughs> inside's going dad you can't do shit to me <laughs> oh yeah well on top of that i mean not that they really know it i'm sure they can tell sometimes but like when they do stuff like that it is it is funny you know? <laughs> not... yeah. so like you can't like sometimes i know like when i've uh, been watching uh, nieces and nephews like you try not to laugh at some of the stuff they're doing yeah you try to discipline them but can't always do that sometimes the, the the laughter or their cuteness just comes out anyway so yeah i mean it's great for you because you get to give them back at some mm-hmm. point me they just wear on you a little bit and you laugh maybe once and then the next time you're like okay you know please stop and then the next time it's like, okay, I said stop. And then the next time um, it's like you hear some British voice in the background going, and the volcano erupted and <laughs> laid waste to everything. <laughs> and the old volcano yeah. dad comes out and uh, it's quiet in the house for about 30 minutes. And there you it, go. It is what I had, it is. Uh, I was talking to a buddy of mine. He's got three kids as well. They're probably like seven, four and two or something like that. And I was like, yeah, dude, I was like, it's been pretty, you know, quiet around here. I, I live in the middle of nowhere. I live on a seasonal road, you know, and um, got five acres. So I don't, I can't see my neighbors or anything like that. And I was like, I was like, I'm at a point where actually I don't think I would mind having some kids around just for, <laughs> just for something to do. And he was like, don't, he's just like, don't even, don't even don't do say it. that. You he's know, like, you don't. <laughs> you know how good your life is right now, Bob? You have a really good life. I mean, like, well, I think I'm just going to pack up and go do something. For me, it's yeah. just like, all right, let's take three days to pack the car and then we can go do something. Well, I'm not. I'm not gonna lie, man. My wife and I, we've kind of like set things up where you know, we've 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 been together for twelve years, and the whole time since we started dating, all of it, we've always agreed we didn't want kids. Yeah. And um, so we've kind of you know set our life up where like very limited responsibility can kind of go do whatever, whenever. Like we don't even have a dog because that's too much. Like <laughs> keeps you grounded too much. Yeah, I want to get rid of um, my dog. This whole, that whole like lifestyle, it's just absolutely backfiring right now because there's, just, there's nothing to do. Yeah. Absolutely nothing to do. There is nowhere to go. Yeah. But so. one, one cool thing you can do is sit here and have a, a conversation with your good buddy, Dan Johnson, about hunting gear and equipment. Absolutely. See how the I transition. did the transition? See how I yes. did that? That was pretty cool. Very good. Uh, so, um, you know, ever since we started this uh, podcast and me and you have been, you know, coming on and, and chit-chatting, you've been hounding me like, dude, let's talk about camera gear and equipment, camera gear and equipment. Let's talk about it. I'm just like, oh, okay, well, whatever. We can talk about it. So here we are, and we're going to start talking about camera gear and, and equipment for the guys who want to film their outdoor activities, hunting, fishing, and, and all that stuff. And I have a little bit of experience with it. I know you have some experience with it. And by no means am I going to call this a master class on video equipment. But I think, I think we have enough information to give somebody a head start or get them looking in the right direction, would you say? 
Yeah, I think this is yeah, this would definitely be geared for um, beginning of a self filmer or even someone who's done a year or two, maybe even three years of it, and they're looking to maybe upgrade some camera equipment and maybe go take the next step. Yeah, type of deal. Yeah. So not not that we're at that level. I guess you don't even you don't self film anymore. So well, I think I'm gonna have to get back into. It. I'm not gonna say have to get back into it, but. Um, I don't know. I, I like there are certain parts of videoing your hunts that are just cool because I videoed almost every single hunt, not necessarily turkey, but deer, every single archery deer hunt from 2007, six or seven. The, the very first doe I ever shot with a bow I captured on film. Nice. Yeah. So from 2006 to about 2014, I think 13 or 14, I captured every single hunt on film. Okay. That's, uh, that's basically when I started. It was right. 2013 yeah. when I started. Yeah. So, 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 uh, so here's kind of a funny story. You know, I got my finger cut off in 2005 in an accident and, uh, the, some of the money that I used to uh or that i got from that accident i went into a a sporting goods store i bought a bow i bought arrows broadheads rest sight i just like set myself up with the best bow that i you know it was i think it was a bowtech tribute and to this day is still one it was still a really good bow and uh one of my favorite bows only because i made this gigantic jump from shooting some like late 90s or mid 90s I don't even know what it was. It was I'm just going to call it a bow. I don't even think it had a brand name, right? And right. so I upgraded to this new type of technology, and it was awesome. And with that, I also bought uh, uh, a Canon with those little mini uh, tapes. Yep. All right, so I bought a Canon uh, video camera, mini tapes, you know, microphone, wireless microphones, chargers, all this stuff, and uh, started filming all my hunts. So I, I like jumped in for like four, four or five grand right away. Wow. Ju- and that was, you know, that was including my archery equipment. Now the, right. the, uh, right. I think the, the camera that I ended up buying that Canon was like 1400 bucks or maybe it was less than that. Maybe it was like 1200, but then with the tapes and all that stuff, uh, only you only really use them one time so uh, that's when what i started filming all my hunts on Uh, so what did you start when you started filming all your hunts what what was the first piece of gear or i guess uh setup that you ran it was uh it was a canon it was like one of those canon like handy cams you know Mm -hmm. wasn't uh it wasn't much bigger than like uh i don't know like a 16 ounce pop can you know what i mean yeah Uh, um but yeah, it uh, it did a it did a good it did a great job. You know that was it was digital. You know, so I recorded everything to an SD card and and all that. Um, but uh, I used that for a year, and then I upgraded to another camcorder. It was like the Canon G30 or something like that, and that was that was a pretty good upgrade. That that original Canon handy cam was like four or five hundred bucks. That was in two thousand thirteen. In 2014, I upgraded, and that camera was, I want to say, like 1,200 bucks. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, so maybe we are not even 
we're we're above beginner stage right now. I would say for the both of us, as far as the gear that we we start well, we have. Well, y- yes and no. That camera that I just that that one I upgraded to the Canon G thirty. That camera they still they still sell that. Like Canon still sells that, and that's okay. been around since two thousand fourteen. I've got Canon's website pulled up right now. Yeah, and um, yeah, it's still it's like a. Uh, it's like an $800 camera, something like that now. Yeah. Um, and it, it definitely, you can find those used on, you know, like Archery Talk or something like that um, for probably four or 500 bucks. I think I sold mine and the most I could get, I sold mine last year and the most I could get for it was like 500 bucks. So if I'm, if I'm getting into self-filming and eh, I would go used, honestly, Yeah. if you go used because you get a better camera for the money it might be older technology but like until you really climb up in a tree and you set up your camera every single time and take it down every single time you don't really know how um annoying self-filming can actually be at times amen amen dude uh one of the biggest deer uh, that I ever had a shot opportunity at probably a, uh, low one seventies, 10 pointer, November, the November 24th, 2000. And I want to say 14, it was either 14 or 13. I think it was 14. Uh, I ended up, uh, letting him walk. He came in kind of fast and, uh, I let him walk through a shooting lane so I could get him on film. And then he never presented another shot. So I, t- so I took a shot on a, and it was a marginal hit. He ended up surviving and the neighbor killed him the next year. But, uh, at that was the time that I ended up stop stopping self-filming for that particular reason, because I was like, dude, it, it's not worth it. Like at that point, it wasn't worth it to me to, you know, have a buck of a lifetime step out and then screw it up because it's just one extra thing that I had to worry about. And I was, I was focused on the camera and not, you know, the, the deer. So I have have a question during that time, were you still, you were with like white knuckle productions for a minute there, right? Yeah. That's where, uh, I think, uh, yeah, it was either 2013 or 2014 is when I stopped with white knuckle, but yeah, from 2000. And And did you have like, a contract with them where you had to film and get kills on no. film and stuff like that. No, I mean, no. it was expected. Okay. It, it's expected. So like if, right. if uh, a guy is working for a company or a group of guys, you know, it's cool to document, but if you're going to go and try to get sponsorships and stuff like that, I mean, they expect some kind of decent film, right? I mm-hmm. mean, uh, so I said to myself, yeah, I'm going to make this commitment. And I've had a couple other, you know, for the, for the most part, I had a camera guy in the tree with me, but there were, were times where I had to self film and self filming meant, you know, and, and being mobile at that you're, you're carrying in a camera arm camera, uh, like a GoPro, maybe sometimes, uh, you know, just all this additional gear on top of the time allotment. So I had to get up earlier in the morning or walk into the timber earlier in the afternoon and stay later after hunts to tear yep. it all down. Right. So, and you know, you add that with setting up an Ozonics that I always use and all these other things. I mean, it's, it's not just a, Hey, set up and hunt. Right. right. So, and then you have to be aware of light and you have to be aware of shooting lanes and where the deer are coming from. And you know, it's, 
am I going to have time to get the camera on them if they do show up? So back then, I felt like I, I had to make a commitment to try to get things on film because we had people paying us to basically put out video content. So right. uh, at that time, I was like, you know, I better, you know, I'm going to try to do this. And even when I go out hunt, I need to document it. Right. So, yeah. so once all that faded away, I was back to just being a hunter without any content. And, you know, then, and that's when I started the, the nine finger Chronicles podcast. But at that point I was like, dude, there's no need. The only thing that I'm getting out of this is just to view it myself. Yep. With that said, now I'm starting to think I'm, I'm the other day I was back and I was looking at like seven years worth of footage, just flipping through it, looking at it, all these encounters, you know, throughout the years with all the deer. And I was like, dude, I love, I love being able to do this. So that kind of gave me the itch again to bring a camera out in the woods just to film stuff, not necessarily to film a kill, but to film everything else. Right. So, um, that's why I'm saying where it depends. I think a lot of it depends on what you want to do with your camera equipment. I think, and this is all going back kind of to where we started with price, right? Where yep. if you just want to go out and you want to film a couple, uh, you know, film some deer and just have a good time and use it for your own personal usage, then I think you can actually get away with a, a, a used camera arm, a used camera, or even an off-brand camera that they sell on Amazon that even some of them have 4K technology right. for like $300, Yep. right? So you can walk away with, I would say, under $500 easily to get a camera arm and a video camera. Absolutely. Would you 100%, say? 100%. Yeah. Right? I, I totally agree with you. The reason I asked you that contract question was because um, I, I sell film for personal enjoyment. Yeah. Well, most of the time it's in the long run, it's personal enjoyment. Maybe sometimes at the time it's really not that fun, but um, yeah, I always told myself that my camera will never interfere with killing a, killing a buck like this year. Um, I shot, I killed two bucks in Nebraska, as you kind of know. And the first one, the camera was literally pointing at the buck at 20 yards. I had probably, looking back, I had 20 seconds to just flip the camera on and hit power, and I never did. And if I would have, it was already aimed and semi-zoomed <laughs> in right where that year was, and it would have got the whole thing on film. Yeah. But... I didn't feel like messing with it because I was nervous it was going to mess it up. Yeah. And it was just one less thing I had to worry about. And it, it, it also, it also kind of that whole situation kind of happened pretty quick. Yeah. Um, it, and it was like, you know, it was getting close to last light too. So you can't really, I didn't really see that deer coming in from a long way. You don't have that time. Um, basically I saw him at 30 yards and then he was at 20 yards within 20 seconds. And I wasn't about to, flip a camera on, have a red light blink, you know, that type of thing. And I think I was only like 10 feet up a tree too, because all yeah. the trees were small. So yeah. I just didn't want to worry about it. And it didn't, you know, it didn't cost me. Yeah. And I, I don't, I can't really look back at a time where 
my camera cost me a, a shot opportunity or a shot placement. Um, and I think a big thing is when I first started self-filming, that's when Mark was after, Mark Kenyon was after a buck called Jawbreaker. And himself filming, he believes him fiddling with his camera led to him taking a marginal shot on that buck. And then he didn't find it till I think like basically the next year when he was looking for sheds or whatever. Yeah. But um, once I saw that and heard about that from Mark, I was like, there's no way that I'll ever let a camera get in the way of it. So like you were saying, it's uh, what do you what do you want to do? I know when I first started, I was traveling for work and I was hunting out of state, but like where my job site was around it, you know, and uh, nobody in my family hunts, nobody, none of my parents, neither my parents, neither, neither my grandparents, none of my cousins, nobody in my entire family does any hunting or fishing. So it's kind of just for me, it was a way of like showing family and the, and, and friends, like some of the hunting that I was doing um, while I was out on these projects. And it was kind of a way like, stay stay connected i guess yeah and then i think anyone that self-films probably they've got to have at least a one percent dream in the back of their head that they're going to get a tv deal (laughs) (laughs) right (laughs) it's hilarious uh so just you know and this is going to maybe make me sound a little arrogant but like the tv deal the youtube channel you know, back when I was uh, working, I guess, at, more in the manufacturing side of the quote unquote hunting industry, which I always say me working in the hunting industry makes me sound like a douchebag, right? Because if someone said, you know, how long have you been in the hunting industry? It's like, well, I've been in the hunting industry since 2006, right? Well, you know, really, that just makes somebody sound douche, douchey. I don't. I think that's a personal, that's, that's your personal opinion. Yeah. I don't think it does. (laughs) You don't think so? When, if you, if you tell me I've been in the hunting, if you told me you've been in the hunting industry since 2006, I wouldn't, I wouldn't think you're a douche. I I think people are a douche because of who they are. (laughs) I think, I think I'm so afraid or, or like, I hate the, the hunting, the hunting celebrity stereotype so bad that I I always need to preface that first because I don't want to turn into a a hunting personality, if that makes sense. Right. I hear you. Yeah. So anyway, um, uh, starting off with some of this camera equipment, uh, I started off big. I didn't, I didn't necessarily need to because I fell into a group of guys who were recording their hunts and we were making DVDs out, out of it. So I felt that I needed something. And back then, uh, the technology was way different in 2006 than it is today, right? We, we were still using those mini, uh, those mini tapes, and now once it turns to digital, I think it just makes it that much easier to not only record but to edit as well. Yes. Yep. So um, I know that Sony is a lot. It has a lot of great options because after I ended up selling that uh, Sony Handycam. Or it wasn't a Sony Handycam. It was a uh, that uh, Canon. I don't even know what the name of it is anymore. But it had had those mini tapes. I sold that, and then I bought a just a regular Sony Handycam, which at the time put out just as equal uh, footage 
you know, just as equal quality of footage than the, the bigger, more expensive camera on those mini tapes that we had. So I went from those tapes to an SD card, then the SD card could be used, reused and used and used as many times as, as you want. And so that saved me a little bit of money. I had some extra money from that, from the sale of that camera. And I bought the, uh, a Sony Handycam with it. And at the time, I think it was just like, a uh, what is it? 19 by, or, uh, eight, 1890 or 809 or 10, 1080p or something like that. That, that at the okay. time, yeah. yeah, 1080p, that was the highest quality that they could offer at that time. And it had a, a better zoom and it had a better quality footage. And, uh, so that's, that was where I transitioned after that. And it just became way easier because a lot of these cameras, um, you needed a um, a thumb zoom controller as well. Yep. Right. So yep. you would set up your camera arm. You would have the uh, the camera, and then that that attached to the camera arm, and then the th- thumb controller. So basically, you could do everything with one hand. Right. If yes. it, you could pick up your bow or a gun or whatever, and then you could move move it around with one hand zoom in and out with one hand and then hopefully when the deer would would walk by you could maybe stop him and get get the draw on but let's talk about camera arms a second because i feel kind of that we're all over the place here um what was your first camera arm um i agree with you we are all over the place and for a for a hunting gear review um yeah we need to get <laughs> we need to get focused actual product yeah. um and camera arms is a great a great uh, topic. I have used three in my time. The first one, um, I don't think they make it anymore. It was called Third Arm or like Third Arm Camera Arm or something like that. Yeah. And um, yeah, it was very simple. There was literally a T screw that you would screw into the tree. And then it was literally just the camera arm went right on that. And that thing couldn't hold a lot of weight, but it could hold just your regular, your 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 very small entry level two hundred dollar Canon or Sony handy cam. Yeah. Um, and then from there, I went to the muddy, like the muddy outfitter. I think it's called. Yep. I've been using that since two thousand fourteen. Um, that is probably my favorite camera arm. Um, I have mainly two reasons. One, I got the, the, um, so if you, if you're not self filming, you'll learn that you need a camera arm and most bases of camera arms strapped to the tree. Yes. And I couldn't stand a ratchet strap. I could not stand set setting up and taking down a ratchet strap every single time I put up my camera. Cause that's just noise. Yeah. Right? It's added noise. So Muddy came out with a a silent strap. It's almost like a it's almost like a boat strap where just like there's like a buckle and it's quiet. You can tension you can get all the tension you need out of it and you can like you'd have to look it up. It's their it's called their silent strap. And um so I've been using that. Um the the actual base that adjusts adjusts like level because there's 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 little uh, levels on it like bubble levels, you know, so you can make sure you're level. Um, there's a little, there's a screw. 
that kind of adjust the the angle of the base when it's on the tree. When you get it all strapped to the tree, and then you can level it. And that screw will sometimes squeak as you're adjusting the the angle, basically. Yeah. But other than that, um, you know, it is it is bulky. It is kind of weird to get in a backpack or have strapped to the outside of a backpack. But that's the uh, that's my favorite. I I got um, out on a limb. They're a new company. And I think they're more into like mobile hunting, but I, I purchased their um, camera arm last year, and I used it a few times. And I'm not a, I'm not a huge fan of it. It is a little bit lighter weight, and it is um, a little bit smaller. But it didn't really come with any directions, and like the strapping's kind of weird with it. And then, I don't know, it's just not. I don't want to knock anything without on a limb, but you know, the, I think the guy kind of, he, I don't know how he creates his, his products, but I think he kind of machines all his own stuff yeah, and, and, and puts it all together. And you, there's, yeah, the, the quality's there. It's just not, it's just not as fluid, I guess, as that muddy, yeah. that muddy arm. And, and that then, muddy arm is a two piece system just like yes. most ar- arms, right? Just so for a little reference here, most camera arms uh, come in two parts, right? They have the base that actually straps to the tree in some way, shape and form. And then there's a, a receiver that the arm actually slides into, right? Which is basically just a, like a male and female end, right? Like a, um, yes. a metal tube goes down into a, uh, a hole and it typically has some kind of uh, wax, uh, wax washers or plastic washers that connect to actually prevent any type of noise uh, for when, for the most part, right? And then yeah. on the end of the arm, and I think the the one that you were talking about, the day three camera arms or whatever that was, those they had a variety of different options, right? They have the two yeah, the, the two bar did. system, the three bar system. I'm a fan of the two bar just because I feel like. I don't know, whenever I was trying to use a, a, a three-bar system, there was always like an, a kink in the mo- movement that I had to kind of straighten out before I could get focused on what I wanted to focus on. So there's the there's the arm part of the camera arm, the base, the arm. And then at the end, there's typically uh, a... And some of them came with them. Some of them you had to actually buy your own head that goes on and that the head comes with a handle and that's how you typically would um control the you know the control the arm once the camera was on it and then uh you would uh, attach the camera to that through a connector a little connector that connects from the you would screw into the the universal uh screw at the bottom of your camera that would go into the into the the receiver part of the head Right. So I think my very first camera head that I ever purchased was a, I think it was a day three, two. It it might, no, you know what it was? It was the original lone wolf camera arm. Uh, I bought it. I bought it used. Uh, And so that was the first one that I bought. Then I upped my game to probably the same muddy one. And it's still sitting in my garage today. And it's the one I'll probably use when I, know this upcoming year when i start doing more filming but that arm um man i I carried that thing everywhere with me and uh it sucked because i feel like it was a little heavy and yes i did have the ratchet straps and if you do it right you can 
you can be somewhat quiet with your ratchet strap, but you're also right where the silent system works just as well. And there's way less noise. Yeah. I, and I agree. Yeah. You can, you can ratchet silently. It's, um, it's just a pain. Yeah, you're right. So, but yeah, I, you know, fourth arrow camera arms, that's one thing I haven't, I haven't tried out. Um, I know a lot of guys like, their their bracket system and how they have that uh that ball joint basically it's a hip hip basically a hip and socket joint where yep. you can tighten it up or let it go that's real easy to balance and and level and uh the arm and it's lightweight because i believe fourth arrow are all carbon fiber all right yeah they are they and are and that's your the the ball and socket or hip joint whatever you want to call it that's exactly what um Oh, on a limb uses as well. Okay. It's just, it's a little, it's a little noisy, almost like if I put, you know, it's metal on metal. It's like almost if I put, I'm looking at, I'm playing with it right now. It's like, if I put like bowstring wax on it, it might quiet it down. Or if it just naturally got some like dirt or grime built up on it, it might quiet down. But yeah, I mean, I don't know if you can hear any of that, but it's, it's uh, I don't know. It's like a metal grinding yeah. noise, but yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. Again, I, I'm with you. The muddy, the muddy arms, kind of my. And I think I spent. Goes. I think I don't know what it was, but I think I paid for that arm. I want to say like two hundred dollars, two between two hundred and two hundred fifty dollars for that for that camera arm. Might have been even a little more than that, maybe under three. Yeah. But I I think that some of those other camera arms like. Uh, the uh fourth arrow they're they're fairly expensive aren't they 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 are yeah they're over yeah they're over 200 bucks maybe more and then yeah i i talked to them because i said hey you guys gonna come out with any sort of silent strap they said no they said we make our bases cheap so you can have multiple bases or you can have bases that you leave in trees and then all you need I think each base was like 25 bucks. Yeah. And then the arm and whatever else is the the more expensive part. But um yeah, they kind of designed it where you could just have multiple bases set up around your property and stuff like that. And I was like, that's great and all, but like for the mobile hunter, it does you absolutely no good. Yeah. No, I I so. agree. The I I mean, I think maybe this year I hunted there's only two trees that I hunted multiple times. And gotcha. so for me, that doesn't do me any good for, for the mobile guy, the run and gun guy, but right. I can see how that's, that would work for the, the, uh, fixed hunter, right. Where he, he goes to all his tree stands are all hung before the season starts or they're over food plots or whatever that, that would work great for that guy. But for the run and gun guy, I don't think that's uh, I mean, I don't think that's an option and I'm looking at, I'm looking at the fourth arrow, uh, website right now but 230 bucks for one of their arms so yeah somewhere in the 200 to 250 range i'm guessing is what it's going to cost to actually get a a camera arm i know lone wolf custom gear just came out with a new camera arm that looks somewhat cool i haven't played around with it i saw them messing with it at the ata show this year and uh it's it's pretty compact and i like that right that that muddy arm's pretty is it good? Um, it's lightweight. It's very easy to set up. And I talked to, is it, is it Andre D'Aquisto? Is he the, 
the dad. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and I was kind of like, yeah, this is great. It's lightweight. But I was like, dude, like, so if you're going to spend that much on a camera arm, I'm assuming you're going to get more into filming and like, you're going to want your like cinematic, like pan shots and stuff like that. How much right? is that arm though? Like 260 bucks. Okay. 260 for the lone wolf custom gear. And you're telling me it's, it's light to the point where it's not going to, um, hold up a heavy DLSR. It, I believe it will. Everything on there, they have a, like a minute and a half YouTube video on their website, and it holds up either ten pound. I think it holds up ten pounds or twenty pounds. I think it holds up. They put a ten pound weight, like workout weight, on it, and they swing it all the way around, and it does fine. But I, I, I would have to use it before I could give it an honest review. I just know that it was going to be. I played with it at eight, AT and eight. Wow, ATA. Yeah. And I was like, dude, this can be tough to get any sort of like pan shots or like smooth, you know, any sort of smooth pan shot. And he was like, yeah. He's like, I don't really use it for that. He's like, all I use it for is like the kill shot. He's like, just to have the camera on like while I'm trying to shoot a deer. Yeah. And I was like, all right. So I think, I think for that, if you're gonna go with that, that lightweight. I don't think you're gonna be. That's gonna be for personal use only. That's not ever gonna be for like, you know, filming over your buddy's shoulder. You know what yeah. I mean? Well, so, and well, you have I to think about say, this though. If your job is solely a cameraman, then everything changes, right? Yes. You're, you're able to use two hands, and now you are focused on filming the hunt and not having to kill the deer. Which, right. you know, like I, I was saying that this, uh, the the three arm. Uh, the day three or whatever has the, th it's the three, three section arm. And then I'm not yep. a fan of the three section arm, but that's self-filming, right? So if yep. I was a camera guy, I have another hand there that I can use to stabilize anything. And it, it makes less of an impact at that point. I still prefer a two section camera arm, but if it's three, it's not a big deal because I am now the, I'm now the camera guy and I'm not the hunter, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Um, and a real quick note on price, um, because this this out on a limb camera arm was like 250 bucks. Those muddy, those muddy outfitters, I want to say, are in the low 100s. Okay. Just to give, just let people know. Yeah, they're like 120 bucks. Okay. And that's confirmed online? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So maybe uh, as the price of everything went down, or hell, maybe I maybe I was wrong of, of what they cost. But so it's uh, under two hundred bucks for the muddy. It looks like every other brand that we've discussed uh, thus far has been over two hundred. Um, and you know, right now, uh, and even earlier, I was running the um, the handycam type things, you know, and I've bumped up recently to a 4k Sony AX one, which is, I think it's a Sony AX one a or something like that, but it's a, it's a 4k handy cam. It's not their most expensive handy cam, but it's uh, I bought that camera used and it's, it's fairly lightweight. However, when I bumped up to my DLSRs, when I started doing some filming with DLSRs, right? My first DLSR was a, um, Oh man, what was it? It was a, a Canon uh rebel five five shit i'm looking at it right now but i can't see the 
anyway, it's one of their cheaper models, right? It's still a DLSR, still uses uh, removable lenses. Um, and then after that, I bumped up an A5i. That was the name of it, uh, a, a Canon A5, A5i. T5i, T5i. Yep. yep, yep, Rebel T5i. Great camera. It let it allowed me to get the bokeh that I wanted and, and all that stuff. Um, and then when um, I bumped up from that to a Canon 5D Mark III, that's when I started spending, you know, obviously the big bucks on camera equipment. But then I was also at that time I was doing a lot of photography, so I was doing weddings and I was doing family photos and I was doing. Um, a whole bunch of other things that I ended up making my money back on that camera just from using it and, and, uh, taking, you know, portraits and, and, uh, doing some photography work and then filming on the side that the, I needed a sturdier camera arm because as you get into these, you know, heavier cameras like the 5d Mark three with a big lens on it, you need a bigger camera arm to hold it up so it doesn't sag right so which you know dlsrs are awesome if you want to get that awesome quality but then now with a dlsr and you know this there's no there's no zoom controller you're you're focusing with your hands two hands so self-filming is very difficult with a dlsr that's a great, it's a great topic of self-filming with a camcorder versus a DSLR. I have done both, and yeah, it's it's just way easier with the camcorder because of the zoom. Yeah, because of the focus. Um, those are the two main things. I think zoom is probably the most important thing, right? Because on my on my uh, Canon T five I, I had a the the LCD screen could flip up and I could adjust yep. it to focus at me and I could autofocus through the touch screen. Right? So if I put my lens on autofocus and I could touch something and have it track through the range, let's say there's a walking deer, right? So I can mm-hmm. touch the camera and it would stay focused on that point. Now, if I wanted to zoom in and out, not only did I have, I, I had to then move my hand up to the lens to do the zooming, right? There's no automatic zoom on DLSRs. Right. But they do sell, they do sell attachments that you can attach to your camera that then have a little motor in it to where you can attach to the lens and there's like a little gear that spins and it, you can control right. the zoom that way. But I don't think that's really um efficient financially because that is just another big expense on top of an already expensive a camera you know so yeah i think once you get to the, would, the the point of dlsrs you're gonna have a camera guy in the tree with you you really should yeah the other thing is um depending on what lens you're using and what autofocus motor is in it um if you are recording and you're tapping with that, you know, you've got, you're, you're viewing your video through your LCD screen on your DSLR, and then you're hitting the, the zoom or the uh, focus button, um, and your, your lens is auto-focusing or, or looking to focus, or it's kind of, some DSLRs, especially Nikons, they don't have the same autofocus as, uh, like, Canons and Sonys. 
It's um, it's called phase detection versus contra- contrast detection. So Nikon's use contrast detection, and it hunts a lot more. It 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 it, it, it like overfocuses, and it it just you could you pick up basically what I'm getting at is you pick up the sound of your, your lens. Yep. Auto focusing. Yep. Um, now there are some newer Nikon's that don't do that, that have the face detection autofocus. Um, uh, there's only three uh, that I don't know of. They have two mirrorless um, full-frame DS, or those are, yeah, full-frame mirrorless cameras. And then their newest full-frame DSLR, it's uh, the D780. That's got face detection. I actually just got that in, in February, and um, that's got the, that, that thing focuses beautifully and it's uh it's fairly silent too yeah so now any canon you get or any sony dslr you get and i don't know what other brand like there's you know i don't know like olympus and uh, there's a couple other uh was the panasonic i I believe they all have phase detection where you're not going to have that hunting for so that's something like you can get a a three or five hundred dollar dslr if you go Canon, you're probably going to get a way better autofocus system than you would if you went with an, a, a cheaper Nikon. So just a big FYI. I, I learned that the hard way. So Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's, uh, that's a problem that you have to, uh, you know, I don't know, weigh out if you're going to jump up to a DLSR camera right you know the the lenses may be a little bit noisy but then there's also options right some lenses are actually pretty quiet and some have image stabilization and some have um uh you know there's higher end of every just like just like anything that we talk about in hunting gear there's cheaper and there's more expensive and then there's also examples of just because it's more expensive doesn't mean it's it's going to help you Right. So like if if you buy a if you buy an expensive lens, right, that is for a, a big uh, camera like a DL DLSR, let's say I'm going to use my uh, 5D Mark three for a moment. There's lenses that I have that I'm not going to record video using that while I am auto focusing or, you know, because it's loud. Right. And it catches on the microphone. So that wouldn't be a very good audio quality. That is if I'm trying to put out um, some high quality video. Right. Like, but if you're a regular guy with a YouTube channel and you just want to put out some pretty cool footage, I don't think it's a big issue. Or if you're just using it for personal use, I don't think it's a, a, a big issue with that. With all that said, I still think for a guy who's only using it for personal use, you don't need a DLSR. You don't. Oh, need, yeah. Go with a camcorder. Go with a camcorder. Go with an easy zoom. There's less pieces. There's less things to worry about. You open it up. Basically, you set up the the settings that you want before you even start recording with it, and then you just leave it. So it opens up. The camera turns on. You hit record. You zoom in and out to where you want it, and then that's it, really. Yeah. Also, your um your battery will last a lot longer oh, on yeah. a camcorder versus yeah. a DSLR. Yeah. That's a fact. So, and then you got to recharge everything. And, and, you know, there's once you, just like anything, really, once you step up to a more, I don't know, if you want to say cinematic or higher quality uh, video, 
then you need then there, there's going to come more there's going to come a whole bunch of different things like replacing lenses right because there's not just one lens right there's a lens for every scenario are you hunting close are you hunting far away are you hunting in bright light are you hunting in uh, low light and you know there's there's just another added level of educating yourself when you jump to a DLSR than when you are running just a, a Sony Handycam, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And the way the way I got into it, I started with a camcorder. Then I didn't I didn't buy a DSLR until oh probably 2000 I think 15 or 16, and um, so two or three years after I started self filming. And that was mainly just for photos and then just like what they call B-roll. So like all your like secondary video, because you can get a lot of really cool creative shots. Um, like you said, with that, that bokeh, which is basically where you have one thing in focus and then like the whole background is like super like blurred out. You yeah. Know, that's what, that's what bokeh is yep. in case anyone doesn't know. But, um, and so you can get very creative with your B-roll and you can do that. You can do all of that with an entry level DSLR with an entry level lens. Yeah. Um, and, and then there's real quick, there's, there's crop sensors versus full frame sensors. And if you're just doing B roll and entry level and taking some photos, just go with crop sensor. It's going to be cheaper. Your lenses are cheaper and the bodies and the lenses are much lighter as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's not until you like, like we keep saying, it's not until you really want to get into this, like the cinematic type of stuff where um, you really need to go full frame or start um, editing on a specific software yep. as well, color corrections and all that stuff, which is way outside of the level that we even want to talk about. But the other thing I want to mention is not just video, but photography, right? So you're, you're jumping to a DLSR. They're obviously going to take better pictures than your cell phone, in my opinion, right? Although, yep. although the new iPhone cameras are pretty badass. Yeah, everyone's got like that 3D. You can do the 3D where you feel like scroll on Facebook. It like, it's yeah, it's like a 3D. Like it's almost like a paint. Like a, it's like a live shot. Like will move. Yeah. And then yeah, it has like the super. I know what you're talking about. It's yeah. Got like the, uh, the 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 very defined like bokeh. The very like defined like image is focused and the background's all blurred out right i i personally don't like it because to my eye i can tell that it's the iphone 11 or whatever yeah. i know that it's not a shot with a dslr with a 1.8 aperture lens you know yeah. what i mean yeah so, so one thing I'll, I'll say is this uh, there's a variety of DLSRs out there, right? I started with, uh, I think the camera that I bought was, so I bought, I bought a, a kit, right? That, uh, T5i, Canon T5i kit. And now I think they're up to like a T5, uh, T, T8i or something, right? So I bought the, the T5i, uh, and it was an, it's an awesome camera, dude. I shot on that entry level camera. I think I spent, $700 for the kit and that came with a lens and then I also bought um, a, uh, a a Canon 1.5 or no excuse me uh, a 1.4 uh, 50 millimeter lens with it and I shot my first wedding with that camera and I took some badass pictures with it 
and uh, you know the lady or the the couple was real happy. But the whole point of this is a lot of people want to know how they can get into the hunting industry, right? And I think there are a lot there's a lot of technology out there that is making it easier for people to take better pictures, awesome pictures. So you can go get one of these cameras, right? One of these, uh, these high, whether you want to spend high end photography or whatever, uh, learn the editing software, you know, some of the stuff that these guys are, are playing with is pretty expensive as far as the camera, like the teeth. When I bought the, uh, my 5d Mark three, I spent 38 or $3,800. And then I bought a $800 lens as well right so i'm spending just under five grand for a a lens and a camera right which is very expensive but i made that back through the photography work that i did now i know there's a lot of photography uh, uh outdoor photographers out there that are like oh that's bullshit not anybody can do what we do but i'm gonna say that i yes they can i feel that they can (laughs) like and i say this I say this with an asterisk by it. You have to be serious about it. You have to educate yourself on the settings. You have to educate yourself on editing. You have to educate yourself on angles and how all this works. If you do that, I, I feel that the technology, uh, the, the learning curve is shorter because of the technology in the cameras, right? Yeah, so, I would agree. so if you want to, if you, go take some badass pictures and practice and practice and practice. And, uh, there's guys that I know who are, having their their photographer their um their photographs on catalogs for major brands and they've only been shooting film you know messing around with cameras for maybe four years right yeah so i'm telling you right now that if you want to get into the hunting industry in some way shape or form and you can you can definitely do that by practicing with a camera everybody's always looking for content all the time and and there's also there's i know some of the bigger uh web shows out there there's always uh, hunting shows or hunting uh a youtube channel something like that they're looking for someone to be the camera guy yeah uh, i don't know if quote unquote intern for them i yeah i do believe it's <laughs> yeah and i think unpaid internship they i pretty much i'm pretty sure they are a lot of them are unpaid yeah. um I think it could lead to something pretty cool. I know a lot. I've heard of a lot of guys doing it and it ends up leading to them getting either a spot on the show or it it leads to like a paid gig or Um, them starting their own business and then doing contract work. Yep, exactly. So, um, there is the opportunity there. Now I will say with photography, I feel like some people have, the eye for photos and I agree. I agree. I would say that I can take some really good photos, but I don't have the eye. I, I disagree. I feel that that can be learned. Yeah. It now, can. now for whatever reason, I'm not learning it. <laughs> in, I, what I'm getting at is an artist, right? Yeah. For me, uh, here's a funny story. I took an, I took some art classes in college. I took a painting and the, you know, the, the teacher was like, dude, it's all in the eye of the beholder. Like art is in the eye of the beholder. 
right? For the most part. And I was, I was doing a lot of oil paintings. We were doing some uh, multimedia type stuff where you'd add like paper or tinfoil to your art, whatever. And I got a C minus in the class. And it was because I sucked at painting, right? I just wanted to take, (laughs) I just wanted to take a easy class. And I said, I thought, I thought art was in the eye of the beholder. Why am I getting a C minus in this class? She's like, well, cause your art's not very good. And I am the beholder because she's the teacher. Right. So, <laughs> so, but I think when it comes to photography, right, painting and photography are two different things. So you, all you have to do is maybe even set up a shot. You have to know light. All that stuff can be learned. Yeah. All that stuff can be learned even in the uh, cinematic world of, of video, right. And not photography. I feel like all that can be learned angles. Some people, it may click faster and easier for them. But at the same time, I feel that like I'm a nobody. I picked up a camera. I took some pictures of my kids in the backyard. I started uh, putting those online after doing some editing in Lightroom. And uh, I had people basically knocking my door down to do their weddings, to take their wedding pictures. And after I did two weddings, I said, I'm never doing a wedding, any weddings again. It's not like, cause I hate, I hated it. I, I hated that aspect of it, but like the nature shots, you can, I feel like a guy can learn all of that stuff. Yeah, I would agree. I think you also touched on a great thing is, uh, post, you know, editing. Yeah. Um, I don't spend a lot of time in Lightroom. I know I used to, and I would have to say, yeah, my photos probably looked better when they came out of Lightroom than if I just edit them on like Instagram, basically. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's definitely learn Lightroom. And that is, that's not a very expensive, I think I pay 10 bucks a month. Yeah. For, for the whole Adobe suite, which yeah. is, you know, Photoshop, uh, Lightroom. And then I think there's a couple yeah. other, uh, programs you get, you get with that, but that allows you to turn, you know, your pictures, you know, I think the the hardest the hardest thing for me when learning photography was how to get something in focus. Um, and once I could f- get a certain part of that in focus, and and I think for me uh, the biggest part was, and I, I am by no means a professional photographer anymore. I mean, I was for a little bit. I got paid to do uh, weddings and. Um, engagement photos and all this other stuff. And basically it was just to help me get my money back from buying a very expensive camera that I only wanted to use for hunting. And so knowing when it's bright out, like it just comes natural at a point where you just have to uh, flip some settings. Okay. I'm I'm going off audio um, automatic settings and I'm going to go into a manual setting and you're, you know, you're messing with the ISO. Now you're messing with the aperture, you're messing with, um, the light, you know, all these things are, uh, have to be taken into consideration to make good photos. And once you can learn how to do that and, and do it quickly and do it, that was the hardest thing for me was to learn. I would take a picture and I would be like, Oh shit, I may have missed an opportunity because, I didn't have the settings right. So as you get better and you do it more, you can naturally adjust your settings on, on your camera, which will allow you to take better pictures. Yes. So absolutely. So, um, all learned. Yeah. 
And I believe even with like newer technology, I believe mirrorless, I believe that shows you the photo you're taking on your, on the, on the viewer, on the LCD screen with a mirrorless, Mm. because there is no like optical. I don't think there's a lot of those mirrorless cameras don't even have like an eyepiece. Everything you do is through the LCD screen. So what you see is what you get. Yeah. Yeah, I don't uh-huh. know. I I don't have an, a mirrorless camera. You know, I stopped purchasing cameras and stuff. Uh, oh, it was probably three years ago when I. No, it was longer than that when I bought my uh, my my five D Mark III, and then that is slowly about two months now. About a year after that is when everybody started going into the Sony's. Yeah, and and, and doing that, but. Again, I, I think we 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 are a little bit all over the place on this episode, but I think for the most part, when talking about camera equipment for hunt uh, a beginner hunter, I really think that it, you can do it very cheap if you want to pull a camera off Amazon or buy it used. Whether you want to fiddle with a DLSR or just get a handy cam, which I would recommend over a DLSR if you're just wanting to do a uh, you know, film yourself, show your buddies, show your kids, right? That is where I would start. Um, you know, and I think there's some really good places to find information. Uh, one place that I really like to go to and, and they have everything is B and H photo.com. Yes. They have a ton of, they have, they, they have everything there for sale, but at the same time, they have a lot of information as well. And you can actually call them and talk to them about what it is and then they're gonna they're the professionals right so they're going to tell you whether or not uh you know it may be a good fit for you or what the camera can do now i don't necessarily think that they actually they sell camera arms they sell tripods but they don't sell camera arms for hunting no they don't so uh you'll need to do your research but i tell you right now there's so much information out there about this. I mean, we're not the first person. We're not the first guys to have this conversation, right? No. So there's a ton nope. of other uh, resources out there. If you like beginner, what, what would you recommend somebody Google? Um, camera equipment for self-filming yeah. hunting. Yeah. hunting. So yeah, self-filming camera equipment. Um, or, you know, if you're looking for a camera arm, you're going to want to put like, uh, camera or like, uh, uh, what would you do? Tree arm for, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, camera arm for hunting yeah. or something like that. Yeah, camera. It, it will pop up. Yeah. It's pretty simple. It's either muddy out on a limb, fourth arrow or, um, lone wolf custom gear has, has theirs now. Yep. Um, there might be one or two others out there. So there's just, there's not a ton of options for for yeah. camera arms in my opinion. Um, real quick, back to that. Real quick, just to touch back on the the editing stuff. We were getting kind of on the editing photos, but um, that Adobe subscription, which is ten bucks a month or whatever, they also um, a lot of people use Premiere Pro. Yep. To edit their video. Yep. Um, I do not. I use Final Cut Pro. That's what I use. Um, mainly because I bought a Mac. And a Mac comes with iMovie, and you can video if you're self-filming, entry level, anything you really want to do, you can edit on iMovie. 
for free. Yeah. And then Final Cut Pro is like iMovie on absolute steroids, and there's all sorts of packages you can purchase to like get like transitions and audio and stuff like that with Final Cut Pro. Right. Um, I, I don't know if you can do that with iMovie. Yeah. But but yeah. Um, Final Cut Pro is like I think that's a one time purchase and it's like three hundred bucks. So that is that is expensive. Yeah. Yeah. But um. It allows you to do some pretty cool things, though. And it, it all depends on what you're trying to accomplish, right? You can throw yeah. together all your clips in uh, a really rough video and watch just the clips. Or you don't even need the editing software if you are if you don't plan on it, if you don't plan on putting stuff out on YouTube, right? You don't need that stuff. If you're just right. going to watch the clips at home and plug your, you know, find an HDMI cable and plug it into your TV and show your kids, right? Or yeah. your wife, hey, look at the Buckeye saw or whatever. Yeah. So just like everything, and I'll reiterate this, there is cheap ways to do it. And then there's also expensive ways to do it. Do your research, find your budget. And, uh, you know, I will say this. Sometimes it's difficult to film your hunts, but after you do film it, it's awesome to watch it, to watch the footage. Yeah. I would say that you you can, I, th- I think we talked about this. You can learn. Yeah, it's like it's like game tape. You, it's like rewatching game film um, and studying up on your opponent. If you are always filming deer and how they move and this and that, like you can, if you see a big buck while you're hunting, yeah, you'll remember that. But to see some of like the more intricate ways that he's moving, you might not remember that. But if, when you go back and view that footage you'll see like, oh, wow, like that buck, he came in and he walked along the edge of a field, but he walked along it five feet back in the timber. He wasn't five feet outside of the timber in the wide open. Yeah. Like you, you, that's one, that's a, that's an honest to God, real life example something that I learned after reviewing footage. I would have never realized that that buck traveled five feet in the timber you know, parallel to the timber edge. I would never remember that because he ended up coming out into an opening. Yeah. It was just one of those things. It's like, Oh wow. That is how mature buck moves because he had a, along with him was a year and a half old buck walking five feet in the wide open, like five feet off the edge in the wide open. And it's like, ah, that's the difference between a young buck and a mature buck and how they travel. Yeah. That's fact. In the man. moment, in the moment, because I was coming to full draw, I would never, I would never remember that. Yeah. So like, that's little stuff that you can pick up on it just natural deer movement, stuff like that. So, yeah. Um, yeah, buddy. Well, my boy, he snuck in the quote unquote studio here. So, uh, that means, uh, his mom is sick of him and that means that it's time for us to, to shut her down here. Any final thoughts, Bob, about, uh, camera gear and equipment for guys wanting to film their hunts? Um, audio, just get a shot, just get a cheap shotgun mic if you do anything, because yeah. you're going to be whispering and the, the onboard mics with a DSLR or a camcorder aren't that good. And just get your, just, if you want to be able to hear it or share it on YouTube, you're going to need a, at a minimum, you're going to need a shotgun mic. Yeah. Otherwise no one's going to be able to hear you and you're going to get a bunch of nasty comments on your YouTube channel about how people can't hear what you're saying. There you go. There you go. Well, Mr. Polanik, I appreciate your time. Uh, you've been ripping some lips on the Steelhead River. Yes, I have. 
Yes, I have been making uh, lemonade out of lemons with this whole don't go anywhere thing. So. Amen. Amen. Yep. All right, guys, if you want to find out more information about uh, some of the equipment that we've talked about, you know, go to Google, um, search maybe some key terms that we've already discussed on this. Uh, be sure you are following Bob. And what's your Instagram feed, Bob? That is hybrid outdoors. And feel free to direct message me uh, anything. I've got plenty of experience with multiple DSLRs, camcorders, GoPros, different arms and stuff like that, video uh, editing, stuff like that. So yeah. feel free to hit me up on any of that. I'm not an expert, but I do have quite a bit of experience with a lot of it. I always dive into a lot of the uh, the specs on well, one camera versus another. So yeah. pretty well versed on that. Yeah. And then uh, don't DM me because if you do, <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you just to DM Bob. So there's that. There's that. All right, everybody. Thanks for your thanks for your time, Bob. We'll talk to you next time. Sounds good. Thanks, Dan. In all seriousness, ladies and gentlemen, if you do have any questions about camera gear and equipment when it comes to self filming or filming your hunts, reach out to Bob. The dude knows more than I do. And like I said earlier, we're no experts. There are a lot of resources out there that you guys can take advantage of. Uh, just Google self-filming your hunts, and I'm sure a ton of information will pop up. Be sure to follow the Nine Finger Chronicles on Instagram and Facebook. Be sure to follow Hybrid Outdoors on Instagram and Facebook. And please subscribe to the Hunting Gear Podcast and all of the podcasts on the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network on iTunes or wherever you download your episodes. And I think that's it, man. Have a good day. Have a good week. Have a good month. Have a good year. And remember, do something cool with conservation, I guess. We'll talk to you next time. 